When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Going camping? The forests of California are a great place to visit. Just make sure to avoid any dreadful beasts, both human and inhuman. Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails. You can follow me on Twitter at Dark Prevails, by the way. Today I've prepared for you some very creepy allegedly true stories, some about camping and others about California. Enjoy, and don't forget to send me your scary stories at darkstories.org. I'd love to read some stories from Forest Rangers. Also, don't forget to check out all our other horrifying shows at eeriecast.com. Now, let's begin. Thing in the Woods from Bat I don't think you should necessarily be afraid of the dark but you should definitely be aware of your surroundings when nighttime comes, or you might just encounter something very unpleasant. Despite all the bad things going on in the world, my mom and I decided it would be a good idea to go on a camping trip in Northern Ontario, Canada. When she told me about this campsite, I just couldn't say no. I love the outdoors. We invited our friend to, let's call her Phoenix, she was more than enthusiastic to tag along. On July 7th, we set off. It was a long, tiring trip, but the landscapes were breathtaking nonetheless. After driving five and a half hours, we made it. I was so happy just to be out of the car. The first few days were great. We had a lot of fun fishing, swimming, and hiking the trails. The weather was good too. It was like a dream come true. Though after a while, we began to hear strange noises at night, usually while we were in our tent. My mother and Phoenix just brushed it off as an animal in the woods, but I felt uneasy. It didn't sound like an animal, it sounded human, but there was no logical reason for someone to be in the woods past midnight, right? I should mention that we were in a pretty remote area. We only had one neighbor beside us the whole time. They were on the right side and the noises were coming from the left. A few times by the campfire, we would hear the same noises, like feet scattering around in the woods. When I flashed my flashlight towards the noises, I wouldn't see anything, nothing peculiar. The second last night, me, my mom, and Phoenix put out the fire and turned in for the night. I had done a lot that day, so I had no trouble falling asleep. The night was peaceful until I woke up to someone walking around outside. At first, I thought it was one of my campmates, but when I looked over, I saw them both fast asleep. I shifted around a bit, and when I did, they must have heard me and gotten scared off. Because the footsteps turned into a run, they faded away into the woods. I was too freaked out to even say anything, so I just lay there in silence. I mean, I couldn't hear that person anymore. I found myself falling back asleep, which was a dumb idea, 
as there could have been a murderer out there. I then woke up a second time to the same noise, but this time it was closer. I nudged my mom gently and pointed towards the sound, staying as silent as possible. She mumbled something about a raccoon and fell back to sleep. The noise then stopped. I shut my eyes and hid under my covers. After a few moments of complete silence, a hand grabbed my leg. I screamed louder than I've ever screamed before, waking up both my mom and Phoenix. I kicked as hard as I could. I must have hit it because I heard a loud grunt, very loud and very animalistic. At first, it just stood there. I could see it, illuminated by the moonlight. I saw hooves and antlers like a deer, but it was standing on two legs, and the thing that grabbed me had been a hand. It was so tall and thin. Thank God it ran away again, because I was sure then that I was going to die. We packed up everything except the tent and sped out of there, despite it being the middle of the night. My mom dialed 911, telling them what happened. They had police officers go out there, checking the area. One officer even followed behind us until we left the park, to make sure we were safe. However, they found nothing of interest. I didn't sleep for the remainder of the night. I was too scared, even back at my own home. I'm just glad we got out of there alive, even if we were terrified. I always keep my guard up nowadays, and I'm never going back to that place. Not after that night. To be honest, I haven't even gone camping at all since then. Always be mindful of the things around you, and be careful of what could be lurking in the dark. The Glowing Eyes From Ninabug, 1998 This story has stuck with me for a long time. It takes place when I was on a family camping trip. I don't remember where we were exactly. It was some spot Sarah, my mother, heard about from a friend. It wasn't a place we'd been before, but the friend, Ginny, told Sarah about it and offered us their RV to go spend a few nights there to see if we liked it. Now something you need to know about Ginny. She was weird. Like sits there petting a crow while sitting on the couch and having a beer while talking to people and I'm talking about an actual crow that was mounted. Also, she was a friend of one of Sarah's co-workers at the time. So, all in all, we really didn't know her that well. But said co-worker was a very good person, and trusted by me and my parents. So I guess Sarah thought that's why we should visit Ginny in the first place. My family loved camping, and I still do, but due to living situations, I haven't in a long time. Back to the story. This camping spot was way out of the way, like Ginny had to draw a map for us to find it. It was an actual campground, but I don't remember the name anymore. It was kinda run down and gave me a weird vibe, like that feeling you get when something is off, but you have no clue what it is. Well, I was young, and I figured I just had that feeling because I'd never been there before. Now, we weren't the only people there, it wasn't like we were alone. In the area we picked to put the RV, I could see maybe four or five other spots that were being used. 
Now this RV was like your basic RV in 2008. Big bed in the back and a bunk over the driver's area. There was the couch too. That's where all the sleeping spots were. Now I did like to climb. I was like a little monkey. So you know I took the bunk over the driving area. It also had a big window in the front for me to look out of. I could close this little curtain, but it was pretty see-through. Like if it were daylight, I could see people through it, but not clearly at all. Basically just outlines of things. We parked the RV in this spot next to the river. We used to do a lot of fishing, so I thought that would be great. I wouldn't have to carry all my fishing stuff very far. I jumped at the chance to go fishing right away. We set everything up with the RV and I was heading for the river. It was like maybe 20-ish feet from our campsite. I set up my seat and got my pole all ready, baiting the hook and all that. In doing so, I pricked my finger a lot because the darn worm was so wiggly. Then again, all worms are. So I got my hook baited, cast it out, and sat down to wait. I waited until my butt got sore, doing the usual reeling in to check to make sure there was still bait and rebaiting when needed. You know how fishing is. During all this, I noticed a few others fishing further down. We weren't close, but not that far. I decided to be friendly and called out, Catching anything? A boy about my age at the time was the one that called back. Got a catfish about an hour ago, but nothing since. I told him, Well, something keeps still in my bait. He asked, What bait are you using? Uh, just some worms. You? Chicken liver. So we had this long-distance talk about fishing. Just because I do a little fishing does not mean I can tell you what fish it was. A bass, a catfish, a bluegill, those I can tell, but I cannot tell you if you're holding a trout or not. This boy, I'll call him Leo, was real nice about it, and showed me a little pamphlet of fish he had with him. We sat together for hours after that, talking and fishing. Leo was a really nice guy, and I wish I was still in contact with him. Anyway, Leo and his family were only two spots away from mine, and also along the river. The day was pretty normal after that. Once I gave up on fishing for the day, Leo asked if I wanted to come hike with him. By that point in my life, I had a cell phone, so when I asked my parents if it was okay to go on a hike with my new friend, they said yes. I packed up a bag with water bottles and a lunch, and I met up with Leo. Together, we walked to the trailhead. He told me it was his first time being at this campground too, but his uncle, who he was with, came here all the time. So, of course, I had to ask about what his uncle thought of the place. Oh, uncle says he loves coming here, but he gets good proof. Proof? That had me interested. Uh, proof of what? Bigfoot, he says, but I don't think that's what it really is. I frowned. Do you not believe in Bigfoot? Oh, it's not like that, Leo assured me. I just think he's using the wrong name for it. Now I was invested. I adjusted my bag, then asked Leo. Hmm, what makes you think that? Have you seen it? Well, no, I haven't seen it myself, but my uncle tells me about it. Leo explained. He says it's really tall and hairy, that it has big feet and makes these weird sounds, and it has a bad smell when it's close by. 
So far to me, that sounded like Bigfoot. But I wanted to know more before just saying that's what I thought it was. I asked him what else his uncle says about it. That's when I was thrown for a loop. Leo told me his uncle said this thing had a tail and would howl on full moons. Now to me, howling at a full moon makes me think werewolf. Of course, I don't think we have those in Iowa. I could be wrong though. The more Leo told me, the more it made me think. This sounded like a mix of things. Wolf and Bigfoot. Was that a possibility? Was he talking about a wolfman? Keep in mind I'm young at this time. I'm into learning about cryptids and folklore monsters. So I was excited about this during the day. Because when the sun is out, that stuff doesn't scare you. At least, not as much. Well, it started to scare me when we stopped to eat our lunches, and we saw just how deep we walked into those woods. We couldn't even hear the river anymore. I told Leo we should head back after we eat, and he agreed. We sat and ate, talking about hobbies and things like, how many times have you done such and such? And just things kids talk about. About halfway through eating, Leo asked me, uh, did you hear that? I hadn't heard anything, so I shook my head. No, what did you hear? Leo listened closely, but shook his head. Uh, never mind, probably just a deer or something. Now my hyperactive imagination instantly thought, oh heck no, that wasn't a deer. But I didn't say that, I just nodded. Besides, I hadn't heard the sound, so I couldn't say it wasn't a deer or some other animal, a normal animal. Let's just say we finished eating pretty quick and headed back. On the way back, we didn't say anything. I think both of us were trying to see if we could hear something. I'm not proud to admit it, but I did start to jog when we heard something moving behind us. You hear that? Yeah, that sounded big. Do you think someone else is out here hiking? Uh, sure. I think we were trying to keep each other from freaking out. When we got back, we just kind of chuckled at how silly we were. What were the odds the Bigfoot, as his uncle called it, was out there watching the two of us eat lunch? That stuff happens in scary movies, not real life. Of course, when these things happen to you, you tell yourself that can't happen to you, that it only happens in movies. Well, there I was telling myself just that. I get spooked easy sometimes. We headed to our campsites. I thought about telling my parents what Leo told me about why his uncle comes to the campground, but I knew they would probably just laugh. So I kept it to myself. After I got back, David wanted to go fishing, so I spent the rest of the day fishing and then helping make dinner. Overall, my first day wasn't that bad. It was the nighttime I should have worried about. After making s'mores and cleaning up a bit, I got a shower in. And by the way, why the flipping flop do RV bathrooms have to be so darn small? I may be short, but I'm round, and that shower barely fit me. Anyway, when I was done, I climbed up in my bed and closed the little curtain thing. I got all comfortable, but I've always had a hard time falling asleep. I was on my side at the time, just looking out the window. I had my music playing, listening with my headphones so my parents didn't yell at me. I was basically waiting for sleep to take me. After a while, I'm not sure how long, I got a weird feeling. 
Don't ask me why, but I pulled off my headphones before peeking out the curtain. It wasn't a full moon, but was pretty darn close. So there was a fair amount of light. I saw what I thought were fireflies at first. Then I noticed they were way too big and staying too still. And they were kind of too high, but I've seen them get high, so that part wasn't so bad. I watched them for a moment. They just sat there for a while. I was leaning on my elbow for so long it got sore. I tried to ignore it, telling myself I was all worked up because of what Leo said. It happened all the time when I heard creepy or scary stories and stuff like that. So I told myself that's what was happening, and I rolled over. I did fall asleep at some point. I told Leo the next morning, I think you got me freaked out yesterday with telling me about your uncle's Bigfoot. Leo was a little bit confused. Why, did you have a dream about it? I shook my head. No, but I swear I saw eyes in the trees last night. Pretty silly, huh? Leo looked at me. What color were they? That caught me off guard. What? What color were they? I just shrugged. I don't know, like when you shine the light in an animal's eyes at night, I guess. Dude, you had me worked up. It was probably just my brain playing tricks or a raccoon. I think I was trying to make myself feel better at this point. Leo replied, Don't go out at night and stay close to your campsite. Well, that both confused and scared me. What? Why? My uncle says so. He says if you see the eyes, you should not go out at night. I was even more freaked out. I didn't know what to do. I just told Leo he shouldn't scare me because I'd be freaked out for weeks because of it. Then he said, then let's talk about something else. I was more than happy to change the subject. We began talking about things like our pets and we went to fish. Well, he fished and I sat with him and talked. I spent most of the day with Leo when I was there, but at night I was a wreck. I would check out from the curtain at night, seeing eyes in the trees. Finally, I told Leo to come with me and went to check where I would see the eyes at night. We walked into the weeds and trees. At first we saw nothing, but then we saw where the grass and weeds had been stomped down like someone was standing there. And there were deep scratch marks on the tree, like when you put your hand against something when you lean on it. I mean, why would something just claw a tree like that for seemingly no reason? I looked at Leo. What's this? I pointed at those scratches. Leo shook his head. I got uneasy and decided to get back to my campsite. We spent the day in camp. We didn't even go to the river. I don't know why. I just felt like I should be close to the RV in case I had to run. I'm not a fast runner, and I sprint, not run. That last day there was just spent shifting around and glancing at the trees while trying to talk about something else. My family left the next day, but that last night will stick with me forever. I checked for the eyes again that night, which I had started doing every night for the past few nights. This time I didn't see any eyes. Was it gone? I'd seen them every night until then, so I thought I was safe. I went to close the curtain, but I saw something out of the corner of my eye. 
Keep in mind, I was already jumpy. I looked and saw something huge near the river. It was covered in what appeared to be fur, and I saw a tail. I got real scared then. So, as any smart child would do, I closed the curtain and pulled the blanket over my head. I didn't sleep at all that night. I heard something outside a few times, but I stayed under the blanket. I was too scared to look. What if it saw me? What would it do? What even was it? When I got out of bed the next morning, I didn't even get dressed. I walked out in my pajamas, which was a big shirt that covered my shorts. I looked around and saw prints. These prints looked like a mix of people's feet and a paw. I knew then it was not my imagination that night. We packed up our camp and I told Leo goodbye. We never went back. My family preferred our usual campground to that one, but I still wonder what that could have been, and what did it want? Was there more than one of them out there? Or was there only one? Maybe it was a family unit. It didn't do damage to anything physically, except that tree, of course. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Paralyzed with Fear From Rachel White, 20002 I'm 16 years old, and all my life I've never had sleep paralysis, though my mom and her mom had before. I always thought maybe I would be lucky and it wouldn't happen to me. Well, not too long ago, my grandma wanted to go camping with me, my sister, and my aunt. We planned on leaving Thursday and would be coming home on Sunday. I was honestly really excited. I hadn't been camping since the year before, and I was up for what sounded like a fun three-day weekend. We went camping in this secluded forest. The rangers had previously warned us about bears and wolves, since my aunt and I had brought our dogs. We set up our tent, and by then it was already dark. I was tired and cold. It was a chilly 39 degrees that night. We had some dinner, and everything seemed fine. But once in a while, I would feel like something was watching me. I shook it off, ignoring it, thinking I was just letting my sister's stories scare me. 
I must have woke up around midnight, close to one in the morning, to the sound of crunching leaves outside our tent. I was trying to tell myself it was nothing to worry about, trying to go back to sleep, but I had this sudden urge to roll off my air mattress and onto the floor, where my sister was asleep. I was rolled up in my sleeping bag, and all I could see was the darkness of the inside of my blankets. After a while, though, the sound came back, and this time, it seemed to have stopped right by my head. My breathing began to falter. I had no clue who or what this was, or what they wanted. I tried to steady my breathing, trying to pretend I was sleeping. All of a sudden, after my sister's soft snoring, I heard a growl. It was low and seemed like a warning. At first, I thought it was a bear. Perhaps we had upset it. This suspenseful scenario went on for about five minutes, and by then I was having enough of it. But that was when I realized I couldn't even move. I could not will any of my body to move except my foot. My aunt's bed was right where my foot was moving. I tried nudging her bed, but I forgot she was a deep sleeper like my sister. I nudged her bed over and over again, hoping she would wake up. After a few seconds, I finally regained my voice. Sharon, I think something's outside growling. I called out, hoping she would hear me. After a few seconds of me trying to get her to wake up, my grandma woke up on the other side of the tent. She was already up because of her charley horse and her leg. She stood from her cot, and I was already standing up by that point, shaking and crying. My grandma shined her flashlight in my face. She then said to me, You look pale as a ghost. She then insisted I should move my air mattress to her room and just stay there for the rest of the night. By now, my sister was awake because of my commotion. After lying down, I explained to my grandma what happened. She then said that we should pray. So we did. After that, I felt so much better. But the rest of the night, I was on edge and shaking horribly. The next morning after I got up, I checked outside where my head was, and I never did find any tracks of any kind. It was like it all happened in my head, or at least I hoped it did. I have no clue what happened to me that night, but I'm still on high alert, and I'm afraid to sleep at night sometimes. It seems like I hardly get enough sleep, and I still think I was visited by something supernatural, like a hellhound. Thank you for listening to my story. The Monsters of Bear Creek From John M. K. I have divorced parents, and my life, since I was just a year old, was always back and forth. One visit to my mom's house was particularly scary to me, not because she abused me or anything, but because of the creature that I encountered during our trip. I was about 12 then, and we were going camping down to Bear Creek. I was already scared of bears. I mean, I had zero knowledge of survival, or how to determine what type of bear I was looking at, if I did see one. So I was pretty nervous. There was a camping spot right next to a lake about a mile from Bear Creek. It was the perfect spot to camp. Good sightseeing, perfect fishing spot, and most importantly, peace and quiet. Now, forests aren't always quiet. There are bugs, birds, and sometimes animal calls. But after two or three hours of being there, I got used to the constant noises. 
I liked it, in a way. Eventually, it was time for bed, so we all helped out cleaning up, putting away the marshmallows, putting out the fire, and picking up the trash. After that, we all went into the camper, got our sleeping bags, and went to sleep. At about 3.17 in the morning, I know because I remember looking at my watch, there came a loud rustling noise near my bed from outside. It was like someone or something was dragging something. I slept in the pop-out bed so you could probably hear everything from outside. I felt a sort of fear mixed in with curiosity, and I went to check it out. I thought it was a bear or an elk, something that would be worth finding. I peeked through the kitchen window, and I almost passed out. There was what looked to be an elk, but it had been torn to shreds, organs, bones, and muscle pieces everywhere. Then there was this enormous creature, practically bouncing around the elk's corpse. It had snow-white skin, long arms and fingers, short legs, and worst of all, its face, which was absolutely disgusting. It had yellow eyes with these pupils that were so big, I almost couldn't see the yellow parts unless it moved its eyes. It had no nose, but it did look like it had a nose before at some point, and its mouth was like looking into a bad dream. It was covered in blood, its lips stretching ear to ear, not a smile. And lastly, its teeth were almost like three-inch knives. They were so large, the creature couldn't close its lips around it. They were only half-covered. I just stood there looking at this thing, my heart pounding. If I could describe it as a 12-year-old, it would resemble SCP-096 in the scariest way possible. I realized that it was feasting on this elk, bouncing to a different area of the carcass every couple of seconds. It was circling it, slowly but surely devouring it all. Every time it moved its head, I could see its jaw open so wide, almost a full 90 degrees, and as the jaw lurched forward to take another bite, it shrieked. Its cry was a mix between an eagle and a human screaming. It was something terrible. The shriek made me want to just wake up from this horrid dream. But I realized this was no dream, no nightmare. After about five minutes of my heart pounding, its bouncing rotation of its feast led it to the elk's head. But before it took another bite... It looked suddenly in my direction. I made direct eye contact with it. I felt this overwhelming feeling of dread and fear. I couldn't break eye contact with it. I realized something else then. It wasn't angry or aggressive. It didn't want to attack me or attempt to. Instead, it seemed to be happy. It seemed gleeful about its feast and that it wasn't alone for dinner. I took a deep breath. Something came over me, compelling me to go outside. And before I knew it, I was walking outside the camper. The creature jumped back a little at my presence when I opened the door, but then it became curious of me and slowly walked over. I stood my ground, although this thing could easily destroy a moose. I looked at its eyes again. The creature looked so deadly and violent and yet behaved so docile. That's what I thought at least. Within two seconds of me thinking that I was going to be safe, 
It opened its mouth and screamed right in my ear. I should have stayed in the camper. I closed my eyes, accepting what was about to happen. Then I heard a gunshot. Something heavy fell to the ground. I opened my eyes. That creature lay dead before me on the pine-needled floor, a bullet hole through its head. I turned and I saw a hunter in the woods, a man who had just seen me nearly die. The hunter walked over to me, kneeling down to my level. He had a look of exhaustion and stress on his face. He told me that I had almost become food and that that wasn't the only one out here. He then dragged the thing away and I didn't get a chance to ask him what it was. A few hours later, everyone else was awake. I tried to tell them what happened, but they didn't believe me, probably thinking I had a nightmare. But I have a feeling that I scared them pretty well anyway. Beware the monsters of Bear Creek. Although they might make you think you're safe, you never are. Unknown Creature from Anonymous When I was around 9 or 10 years old, I lived in the Newport Beach area in California in a nice little neighborhood with my parents. My room was on the second floor and faced out into the street and towards the other houses. It had a slight view down the street. I sadly don't recall why my shades and curtains weren't closed that night or what woke me up from a dead sleep, but I do know that I shot up wide awake in the middle of the night. I crawled across my bed to lower my shades and to pull my curtain closed when a dark shape caught my attention. I looked down at this dark mass moving up the street. Now, maybe it was because I was young and the logic of hiding behind anything made me feel safer, but I ended up hiding just behind my curtain. I was on the second floor though, and I probably couldn't be seen from where it was on the street. As it drew closer and closer, I noticed it looked weird, kind of like a brown hyena, due to what appeared to be the telltale long-haired coat and pointed ears. But that couldn't be possible. They aren't indigenous to California, so how did one wind up up here? However, once it was across the street from my house, its legs seemed longer than normal, and its neck seemed a little too long. In fact, all of its proportions all seemed wrong. Eerily, it made no sound as it walked, too. Every once in a while, though, it would stop to sniff something here and there. Suddenly, it turned into the brush in front of my neighbor's house, and with no noise, it entered into them silently. I must have strained my eyes for another 10 or 15 minutes after it entered the bushes, trying to see if it would hop up on a wall or reappear. But the thing is, I never saw it come back out. All I can think of is maybe it escaped somehow from the San Diego Zoo, but that's a 45 minute to an hour drive south of the old house, and there were no mentions on news reports of an escaped animal. At the same time, I don't think such an animal could make it that far up the coast without being seen by someone. If you have any idea what this was, it would be very helpful. If not, I guess it's just one of the many mysteries of this world. My Traumatizing Encounters with a Murderer 
from Cody. Back then, I was eight years old and living in California. I'm here to tell you that some people are freaks. This happened in my hometown, which I won't name here for privacy reasons, but I will say it's a small rural town in California near the Oregon border. One day, I was walking back home from my school, which was about a 10-minute walk from where I lived. As I said, I was eight years old, and I never thought anything bad would happen in a small town like that. Everyone knew everyone, or so we thought. As I walked, a white van with no windows or license plate. I was a very attentive kid. The man inside the van said he was new to town and asked me where he could find the local Walmart. For reference, the local Walmart was about 50 minutes away. So I told him the nearest one was in another town about an hour away, and I told him the name of the town. At that, the man seemed angry. He then got out of his truck and asked me if I was giving him sass because he was sure this was the right town. I was always a pretty shy kid, so this was a huge red flag for me. I ran home crying, and my mother asked me what happened. I told her and she called the police, but of course they could do nothing, nor did they really care about some strange man yelling at me. Unfortunately, this would not be the last time I saw him. The next encounter is when I was walking with my friends to go get some ice cream, from our local candy shop. We were walking together when that same white van pulled up, but this time it did have license plates, so at first I didn't think it would be the same man driving it. Until, that is, he stepped out, asking us if we wanted some candy. My friend, David, who had always been a smart aleck, said, there's a candy shop right up the road, so we're good. At this, the man, like before, got angry and he began to yell at us, but this time, he demanded that we get into his van. When we didn't comply with this order, he chased us and we ran away. I never understood why, but he never got back into his van to chase us with it. He always ran after us on foot. The three of us split up and ran into the woods. The road we were on, there was woods on either side of us. He singled me out because he must have recognized me from before. I decided I'm done with this, and began running towards my home. From there, it would be a two-minute run. He kept on chasing me all the way up to my house, and when I got to my house, my mom and dad were home, thankfully. I ran in hysterical, and my mother asked what happened. I told her it was the same man, and I explained what happened this time. My father ran outside and confronted the man. My father is six foot five with a bulky build, and he was muscular back then not someone you wanted to mess with, not to mention he had a military background. The man immediately tried to run away upon seeing my dad, but my dad easily caught up with him, threw him down on the ground, and held him until the police came. They arrested the man, and, as it turns out, the guy was wanted for murder, kidnapping, and other things of a little girl. He was convicted, and I never saw him again. I'm so glad that he didn't catch me or any of my friends, or we could have been his next victim. I still get anxiety attacks from strangers approaching too fast or someone moving too suddenly towards me. Just from the thought of what could have happened, I never learned his name, and I will never care to. To be honest, I just want to put this behind me.
Paper Bag Creep from Anonymous. It was a dark and stormy night, which made the morning dreary and thick with California coastal fog. But it was the last day of summer my sophomore year back in 1987, and like heck was I going to waste it sitting at home listening to the thousandth repeat of my little sister's favorite song, Caribbean Queen. So I called up my best friend, who we called Bunny back then, which is a John Cusack movie in-joke. His car was broken down again, so we planned to time our ride on the city bus, so he could catch the same bus eight miles from my house. I usually sat in the middle row near the back entrance and loved to rest my knees up on the seat in front of me. Then I would just stare through the cloudy, scratched plastic windows. Plus, the reflection in the smoky, tinted plastic reflected the interior, and I could covertly watch the other passengers while pretending to enjoy the outside view during the 15-20 to 20 minute ride. When I boarded and sat down, I noticed a guy in a monk's brown robe sitting in the back row. His coke bottle glasses obstructed my judgment as to which direction he was staring, but if I had to guess, it did seem like he was looking at me. Only natural, right? As I was currently the closest person to him on the bus. Just people watching, I assumed, as I would do that too. I'd seen the dude before as well, walking along the curvy mountain roads, panhandling downtown, and sometimes at the beach. I guess you could call him a local weirdo, another of California's fruits and nuts. A few miles in, he got up and sat across from me, nearer the door, so I figured he was getting off soon. He'd angled himself to look straight at me though, and I hated being social, so to avoid conversation I kept my nose to the window, glancing back to keep an eye on him as he repeatedly clutched and crumpled the rolled edge of a noisy paper shopping bag. Finally, Bunny boarded the bus and noisily sat next to me. He then happily let me know that his poop that day looked like deer poop. That's how Bunny was sometimes. No filter. But this did crack me up, and I momentarily forgot about the monk dude. Everyone left the bus at the main station, and Bunny and I spent a few hours perusing the local outdoor mall and all the tourist junk stores. Then we headed back to the station, intending to take the next bus into a neighboring town for some food. Waiting for the bus to arrive, Bunny asked me not too quietly, Hey, do you know that dude? He's been following us this whole time. On the other side of the big triangle-shaped planter, the monk was apparently unpacking his paper bag. I watched him carefully refold some clothing, towels, and some other things, arranging them on the concrete bench. I laughed and said, The creeper likes you, pretty boy. But Bunny looked worried. He keeps unpacking and packing that bag every time we stop to look at the stuff. It's weird. I think I saw a knife in there too, he explained. I then noticed that a bus that would take us halfway to the next place was here already. Let's just take 69 right now, I said. All right, let's go, he agreed. We ran across the station and boarded the bus. The bus sat there waiting for other passengers, and we nervously watched the monk slowly pack up his things again, and he came onto our bus. We sat in our usual middle seat and the monk sat behind us, so we couldn't really watch him this time as we rode to the next station at another mall in silence. When we got there, we left the bus and slowly walked into the main entrance to the mall. 
The monk was a bit behind us, so as soon as we got through the doors, we ran around in a loop to the other entrance, boarding our connecting bus into the next town, laughing and bragging about how we had ditched that dude at last. It wasn't long until those smiles fell right off our faces, because that monk creeper boarded our bus and glared at us as the bus started up. He sat near the rear entrance. We were trapped. The bus hit a halfway point at the local college, and with a press of about 40 college students, we got off the bus and went to a payphone in a little store by the bus stop. The monk was standing just outside the glass packing the bag again but pressing the big kitchen knife into the folded stuff until the edges raised up from the pressure on the items. He was staring at us, but we were sure he couldn't hear us from there. Bunny called our friends one by one, and even our parents, but either they all didn't take it seriously or they were busy. We only had one quarter left, so we called a kind of gangster friend of ours named Shamu who had a car. We pleaded with him and promised him all kinds of stuff like Bunny's new bike and homemade cookies until he agreed with our plan. So we hung up and waited for the next bus. The monk was getting twitchy and began mumbling to himself as he packed his bag over and over. We got on the bus and took the 40-minute bus ride in silence up near the driver. The monk sat in the back, and every time his seat opened up he would move up to that seat, getting closer, all the while mumbling louder until he was shaking his head, gnashing his teeth, and almost yelling curses and prayer-like rants about Satan and how we were evil and he was the devil and would take us to hell. Eventually, all the other passengers were staring at him, creeped out and confused, too. At one point, when he moved seats, one lady that was sitting close to him pulled out a rosary and ran to a different seat, handling the beads. I'd had it with this bullcrap, telling the driver that this jerk had been following us all day, that he had a knife. I said we should call the police to come get him at the station. I'm not sure she believed me, but she did keep glancing back as he got louder and kept her eyes on him. He was only three seats away then, when we rolled into the station, so we booked it through the drizzly weather, across the station to the public parking area, looking for and screaming for Shamu. We cut across the busy street, with me almost getting hit by a delivery truck that clipped my backpack, sending me spinning to the ground. Bunny quickly grabbed my elbow and pulled me up, we went to the parking lot where Shamu had gotten out of his red VW rabbit and was waving to us. We screamed at him to get in and to go, go, go as we crammed ourselves into the car. At this point, the monk was now stomping after us, screaming rants at us. At last, some security guards surrounded him and Shamu peeled out of the parking lot and drove away. Shamu's face turned pale as he admitted, I thought you guys were joking with me. Yeah, no. I said. Bunny screamed out the window. Screw you, you creep! As we passed the now struggling, creepy monk wannabe. I'd like to say I never saw him again, but he was still around. I would stay very far away from him whenever I could. Twenty-odd years later, I've moved two states away. As time passed, Bunny died of a heart attack, and Shamu did a stint in prison. I recently saw a video of my hometown area, and he was there in the background. He was older and far away, but it still gave me deep chills down in my gut. That dude is still out there, free to fixate on someone else. Maybe you. Maybe your kids.
Creepy Lights in the Sky From Anonymous I'm a 16-year-old boy who lives in Chula Vista, California. It's a beautiful, decent-sized city, located right near the Mexican border. The west side is by the bay, which has that salty aquatic water, while the east side, near where I live, smells like plants. It helps that it's closer to the mountains. Me and a few close friends were having a get-together at a boy's house. The boy's name was Jaden. It was getting dark, and it was winter, so it got dark even earlier. The sky was a light baby blue, and it was kind of orange, and the moon was a small crescent, which barely had any light shining down on us. We headed to the local park to go on a small adventure, which was less than a half a mile away. We had to cross a small canyon to get there. The canyon was not very wide, but was approximately the size of a football field. There were always coyotes and possums prowling about there, or mentally unstable men doing some very strong substances. After walking there with some friends for a bit, we returned to the top, which was near a street where cars would always speed by on. Three of our friends were down in the cul-de-sac in our neighborhood, down a trail from the canyon. Me and my friends were walking up to the top. We then saw a white light fill up the sky towards the south. This was not a car. First of all, we didn't hear anyone pass by for about five minutes. And secondly, that type of light wouldn't be able to fill up the sky like that. So we thought it was a spotlight, but there were no structures in that direction that would project them, except mountains that would stretch for miles. And it was about ten times brighter than a normal spotlight. Cece's phone was dead and kept turning on and off. That was creepy since it was a newer model iPhone. Then we saw a red light fill up the sky. It moved as a streak and vanished directly overhead. I started to get even more freaked out. What would be a logical explanation for this? There were no cars passing by, no spotlights or anything that bright. Plus, how would a red light light up the sky right after that as a streak? The red light was even brighter than the previous white one, not to mention the weirdness from CeCe's mobile phone. A minute later, we met up with some friends who were down in the cul-de-sac waiting for Jaden to return as he took care of some things at his house. They had seen the white flash of light, and also mentioned that they hadn't seen any cars. White and red can be construed as the colors of the head and taillights of automobiles, but as I said, no cars had passed by before, during, and after the encounter. My friend Wendell revealed he saw the red flash of light too. He said it was in the shape of a sphere. We went on with our night, trying to pretend nothing happened. Still, I do consider if what we saw was the work of extraterrestrial life forms. It makes me wonder if we're not the only intelligent things in the universe. Perhaps we'll never know what truly transpired that night. The Dust Man from Anonymous I'm surprised I can still recall this memory. I was about a six or seven year old girl at the time. I was in my old apartment in Temecula, California. My apartment was a really small two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment. My siblings and I would sleep in the master bedroom. We all slept in bunk beds on each side of the room. My sister and I slept on the right side of the bedroom on a gray bunk bed, and my two brothers slept on the left side of the room on the white bunk bed. The older siblings always slept on the top bunk, and I was one of them. Each of the beds had a window by them too. 
Now, I had just awakened from a nightmare about a zombie apocalypse in my apartment complex, which had for some reason occurred because we ran out of candy. A stupid dream, yeah, but whatever. It was about 2 a.m. I was facing the wall when I woke up. For the first time, I didn't feel tired right after waking up in the middle of the night. I rubbed my eyes and turned my body until I was facing the room. A blast of air had blew in my face when I turned around. I closed my eyes for a bit, but I couldn't fall asleep. I opened my eyes and looked around the room. I then looked at the window. Then my hairs stood up on my head. There was a figure staring out of my window, right by my bed. I could barely see it, but it was there. A tall human figure made of dust. It couldn't have been nothing. It was a distinct figure, a tall man who looked like he was at least 19 years old. He was wearing a long brown button-up shirt with a darker brown colored pocket. He had short, shaggy black hair, and he had baggy jeans with tears in them. I'm not sure how I remember all these details even now. After about five minutes, the figure began to move. The figure looked at me, then looked back at the window. He did that for a couple more minutes. I couldn't move. I was frozen in shock. I wanted to scream for my siblings, but I just couldn't get myself to do it. After a couple of minutes had passed, he just stared at me. He stared at me for so long. I was about to get up to run to my parents' room, but before I could get up, the figure floated up to my bed. He pushed me down and said in a very deep and groggy voice, Bye, Mommy. Then he vanished. This is way creepier because I have a son, and he had just recently got into a car accident when his older friends were drunk driving. He'd been wearing the same clothes as that figure, and before he had left to go to his friend's house, he looked at me strangely, and he'd said, Bye, Mommy, in the same sort of tone. I was shocked. It was like my own kid knew about the time I was six or seven, or perhaps the figure itself was a premonition. Another thing is, when my son was little, he used to stare out the window and look at me and look back. Plus, his first two words were mommy and bye. So when he would look out the window, he would jump on me and say bye, mommy. Maybe it's a coincidence, but I don't think so. Silhouette in the Forest from Doge 6-9. I live in Northern California. A few months back, my brother and I decided to stay in our parents' RV. It was behind our small house at the edge of the woods. It was around 11 that night when things got creepy. I began to hear light footsteps around the RV and strange breathing. At first, I thought it was my mom or dad checking in on us, but after 10 minutes of the footsteps and breathing, I finally couldn't take it. I went to the back bedroom of the RV to tell my brother. But by the time I got there, I found my brother pale, scared, and lying on the floor, hiding. I tried to talk to him, but he shushed me. I then looked out the window, but I didn't see anything weird. The whole time, though, the forest was silent. I noticed then that the footsteps had stopped, too. Not long after that, the normal sounds of the woods came back. I didn't think much of it at the time, and I went back to bed. 
Around one or two in the morning, I shot up from my bed. I figured I'd had one of those dreams that make you wake suddenly. But then I realized the silence of the woods had returned. It was so silent all I could hear was the small creek a few yards from the RV. I looked around, trying to regain my senses. That's when I heard more footsteps. I thought about my brother and the two of us trying to make a run for it back home. But I didn't know what would happen to us if we went outside. My brother had awakened too and heard the sounds. When I went to the back bedroom to where he was, I saw something peek in through the window. You'd have to be the size of a man to do that. Whatever it was, was shadowy and dark. Terrified, I watched it run off into the forest. The two of us then stayed awake all night, and only when the sun was up did we book it back to the house. So much for a quiet shift. From some drummer boy. I'm a Marine. And at the time of this story, I was at 29 Palms, California, for MOS school. If you don't know what it's like, it's a beach without an ocean. This happened about a week or so before my class was to graduate and be sent out to our new duty station. My roommates and I were among the 12 or so who were scheduled to be on fire watch at 2200, or 10pm, to 0200, 2am. To give a brief layout of the terrain, Picture four three-story dorm-looking buildings, with two on a small hill and the other two at the bottom. Going to the left takes you to some class buildings and to the right a small sandy portion of desert that leads to the medical side. To the rear is another set of barracks and a tiny set of jagged sandy hills with a poorly lit road. Me and my battle buddy decided to patrol the bottom right barracks building because there was a table and bench that we could use to take a break at. There was a small fight that almost broke out, that we had to stop. We left it in the hands of that particular class once everything was settled, and afterwards we thought that would be the highlight of our shift. We then began to patrol each floor, making sure everyone was secured in their room and that no one was out. As we were making our way through the second floor, we noticed that someone's door was open and made our way up to that room. I was about to inform the Marines inside about leaving their door open, when I noticed what one of them had on their rack. It was a Ouija board. It was out and in the middle of being used. I instantly thought about how tonight was going to get weird, because I'm not crazy enough to mess with those things. I had to say something because we made eye contact with them. Evening, gents. Just wanted to let y'all know about not leaving the door open, I said. Sorry, guys. Our door doesn't close all the way, but we'll use a chair to block it before we crash, he replied. Tight, y'all be careful with that thing, I warned as I closed the door. I looked at my battle buddy and he said, Well, tonight can't get any worse, I suppose. As soon as he said that, the light above us began to flicker and I let out an annoyed sigh. It probably will. About two hours into our shift, we were back near the room with the Ouija board, talking about where we were from and the cryptids of our respective regions when suddenly we both noticed something. There was another set of boots walking behind us, but there was no one outside the building, let alone the second floor. My battle buddy turns to me and asks, Are you hearing what I'm hearing? Yeah, let's finish this lap and we'll swap out with the guys on the hill, I said. 
The footsteps stayed behind us until we left the vicinity of the building and switched out with our roommates. As we began walking around the quarantine area of the barracks, we greeted the female duty marine when we passed by and began to make our way up the stairs. With about 15 minutes left of the shift, we were deep into talking about skinwalkers and wendigos while on the third floor. We were about halfway across the walkway when suddenly we both heard what sounded like a woman screaming while being gutted. What in the world was that? My battle buddy exclaimed. No idea, but it sounds bad. Let's move, I said as we began to book it towards the end of the building. We looked out over the railing, and there was no sign of anything bad. No blood or indicators of a struggle. Nothing that would require immediate attention. I told my battle buddy to provide me with security while I tried to take a closer look. I then noticed there was a minor disturbance in the sand. It looked as if someone had jumped then moved towards the hills. I gave this information to my battle buddy. Then he mentioned that the female marine was downstairs where the scream had come from. We both began to sprint down the stairs to where she was at, only to find that she was still at her post, unharmed. You guys alright? She asked. Well, did you happen to hear anything weird a moment ago? I asked. She shook her head, then said that our shift was about to end, and we should make our way to formation. I motioned to my battle buddy to follow me to the assembly area and once we were dismissed, we decided to briefly go back and inspect the tracks, but they were gone. We looked at each other, confused. Let's head to bed, I said. Not our problem anymore. And in case you're wondering if we were armed at the time, we were at student status, so we didn't have access to the armory, and only the road guards carried radios. It's all fun and games until you have Firewatch. With that, we're at the end of this week's episode of Unexplained Encounters. Don't worry, I'll be back soon with more scary stories for you to enjoy. If you don't like to wait, subscribe to Darkness Prevails on YouTube to catch new stories sooner. If you want to hear me read your story, send it to me at darkstories.org. Before I go, help us spread the word and reach new listeners. Just share this podcast with your friends and family, follow us on Spotify, and or review us on iTunes. Thank you. Until next time, everyone, remember, this world is a strange one. So stay safe out there, and stay creepy.